0: Blue wire.
1: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 44 of That's What Be Said. I'm your host, Bree, at Breezy Clee, and I am joined by Brittany Mollis, is here at Birdseye View. Hello, Britt. Hello, ladies. Happy Victory Monday. Woo! And Meredith at MPN Sports is also with us. It is Victory Monday you guys are well rested because we've got a lot of victory laps to take tonight that's why i'm drinking coffee at 8 30 <laughs> so i gotta smart. get my energy going so ready for these victory laps let's do this it's gonna be i tweeted this it's gonna be a meaty episode I, everyone was making fun of me for using that term but listen it's full of beef just lots and lots <laughs> of beef you're gonna be <laughs> fulfilled 100 percent uh the cleveland browns are three and one i repeat your cleveland browns are three and one We are streaking. (laughs) (laughs) That's we get some viewers doing that. (laughs) Um, Okay, guys. So we're recording this on a Monday night. Obviously, the the Browns played on Sunday Um, last week against the football team. We won a game we were supposed to win. Yesterday, we won a game we were not supposed to win, according to Vegas, a lot of media, a lot of national media, local media, but we did. how good does that feel I I was
0: I was not expecting that like we predicted last week Meredith and I were both wrong Mm -hmm. I'm fine (laughs) I'm okay
2: I'm
1: honestly I'm okay with being wrong I don't mind
0: I don't mind either I was just (laughs) I (laughs) could not be happier to be wrong in this circumstance this made me so happy
1: yeah so let's get into it so it was a it was a thriller 49 38 victory Um, The Browns really took control of this game early on. They dominated every single aspect. Uh, They did stall a little bit in the third quarter, just letting Mm -hmm. Dallas hang around, which was super annoying. Um, And there were a lot of things coming out of this game that hasn't happened in many, many years. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go through them really quickly. Um, It was the first time the Browns have scored over 30-plus points since 1968. None of us were born. Oh, my God.
2: Where were you in 19? I think, my, I think my dad just had his bar mitzvah in 1968.
1: <laughs> uh, it was the first time the Browns beat Dallas since 1994. Again, very long time ago. Uh, the first time in team history. In team history, three Browns players had over 70 yards in a game. Wow. And finally, yeah. the first time the Browns have been three and one since 2001. So last week we were playing the game. Where were you in 2014? Well, we're going to go back. We're going to rewind 13 more years. Where were you guys in 2001? Brittany, where were you living? Were you in Ohio? North I, was, Carolina? I was in this same house in 2001.
0: <laughs> yes. um, How dare you? I know, right? <laughs> 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 How dare I? Um, I was in this house. I was a proud basketball player for the Saint Stephen Fighting Irish. Yeah, and I was a cheerleader too, if you can believe that. Wow!
1: Can you believe Don't that? Regret. Can
0: you? Yeah, I did it all. I I kind of want to see like high school Britney as a cheerleader. Now. Oh no, I'm not high school. I, I was not. Oh, middle school? No, I'm, middle school. My cheerleading days went from seventh to eighth grade, and then and okay. it was only because. At my Catholic school, there was only like probably eight girls in the entire class. So we actually, we all had to to be a cheerleader for there to be a cheerleading squad. So yeah, Uh-oh. same with basketball. Where's Jerry? He, Jerry needs to show us pictures. I, I have this one picture where I look like the most miserable human being alive And it's truly I will find it and I will tweet it because it is horrific.
1: Can't wait. Oh my God, that's
0: exciting. Yes. Can't
1: wait. Meredith, what about you? Um,
2: 2001, I believe was the year my parents moved out to the suburbs. So like I grew up outside of Southeast DC and then, yeah, it was like 2001 or 2002. They moved out into like suburban Virginia near, um, like where George Mason university is. So still like in the DC area, but it wasn't like a walk down the street, hop on the train, get downtown kind of thing. It was like get in the car, drive half an hour to a metro stop to to get downtown. So we had moved. Yeah, we had moved from the city to the suburbs. Um, Yeah, I think that's the only significant thing that happened
1: to me in 2001. 2001. I was, no one do the math here. (laughs) I was a (laughs) sophomore in high school. I had to like think really hard about this. I was on, I played basketball and I believe we eventually, the team eventually went to the regional finals. And I just found my newspaper article. I was on the cover with LeBron James. Like we were both in the finals. I remember seeing that. Yeah. I got to frame it's that and put it somewhere. Meanwhile, like fast forward, LeBron James is playing in in the nba finals and i'm recording a podcast (laughs) (laughs) about the browns
2: but listen you know who the real winner is here Parallel paths
1: you know like clearly on the same path in our lives but yeah wow that was really long ago really really we were just little babies i had to go back did you guys happen to like go back and look at the roster from then because i did and i literally could not remember i couldn't remember like there were maybe three players that i remembered that was back in my Washington
0: Reds- Redskins fandom days. Oh
1: wow! So, because, yeah, oh, so we were so back in two
2: thousand
0: one. We were both cheering for the Washington football yes, team. Yes, So I don't. I yeah. Cleveland Brown. They didn't they mean anything to me. They didn't mean a thing to me.
1: Yeah, I mean clearly those were the Tim Couch days. So Oof. we all know how those turned out. So I was still I
2: was still cheering for the Baltimore Orioles because the Nationals didn't exist yet. My World Series winning Washington Nationals did not exist in
0: 2001. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was still cheering for the Orioles at the time. I remember skipping school that day, the day that the Washington Nationals made their spring training debut. I skipped school that afternoon to watch the Washington Nationals play baseball just because they were a new team. I was like, oh, expansion team, got to skip school. And I did.
1: (laughs) That's perfect. I love
0: it. Yeah.
1: Gosh, those were the days. I know, right? Uh, Okay, so getting back into the game. So clearly this was a roller coaster of a game. I think we all would agree with that statement. I felt like I was a bit relaxed and I could let my guard down a little bit going into halftime. But in True Brown's fashion, the game went down to the final few minutes. Were you ladies panicked at all? Meredith, I'm going to start with you because I think I know Brittany's answer on this. I'm going to let her go last. I was 100% panicking. Meredith, how did you feel? I wouldn't say that I was
2: panicking, but I was definitely worried that they were going to give it up in the second half because the the Cowboys had a twenty point comeback over the Falcons. Yes. You know, so it it was one of those things where it had already happened recently. The Browns' defense was—you could tell that they were getting tired in the second half, like they were so tired. So, I—I I don't think I was panicked, but I was worried. And I had a little bit of anxiety because I was just, I don't know. It was like one of those things where it was like such a good feeling in the first half. And you're so excited. And like the serotonin's pumping, like you feel like you're on drugs. And then all of a sudden the Cowboys got what like 17 unanswered or something like that. And then you're like, Oh no, Oh no. I got to get my fix.
0: (laughs) So. Brittany, you were calm as a cucumber. I was the whole time. I was with Danny yesterday watching the game and like, you know, there were times where he was like on the edge of the couch and he's like, Oh my God, like they're coming. And I'm just like, Relax in true like stoner fashion. Relax, man. <laughs> Everything's going to be fun. But like, I really felt that way. I was at no point yesterday did I ever think that they were going to blow it. Even like when it started getting wow. close and they start. My favorite part was when um, I think it was in fourth quarter and they were showing the Browns defense and these guys were like gasping for air. They're just like, <gasps> and like, they're all sweaty. And they were yeah. like, zooming on them. And I was like, first of all, that's pretty rude. I would never <laughs> want somebody doing that to me. And that's, <laughs> like, that's how I feel when I go up like five flights of stairs, I'm like, <sighs> <sighs> and I was like, these poor guys, but never did I think it's just, it just felt like a different Browns. Like he, he eased up. I guess people are like, oh, he took the, he took the, whatever. He went too conservative, blah, blah, blah. But to me, it never, I never got nervous about it. It was never something that I was like, oh, this is the same old Browns. Cause it's not, it's not. And I I was just chilling on the couch, eating some wings, ready to celebrate this Ugh. victory. I never got nervous. I am. I mean, anytime there's wings involved.
1: Yeah. I mean. <laughs> I am very jealous with with how calm your demeanor was within those final minutes. I will say, I, at one point, I think I looked at my husband and, and it was when I was like, the doom was taking over me, where I was like, they're going to blow this game. And I was like, I'm going to make a bet with my husband. So I turned him up and I was like, if the Browns pull this off and they win, you're getting lucky tonight. So then he perked <laughs> up, you know, like immediately like he perks up like in the moment i was like why did i just do this like did, like what am i doing right now it was the it, adrenaline I, it was the adrenaline It's energy it makes so, you like, do things clearly the browns pulled it off and i was just like riding this high the rest of the day slash night and we were laying in bed watching <laughs> sunday night football and i already texted the girls this and like This is actually quite funny. We're laying in bed and it's halftime. And, you know, they always show the highlights of the previous games during the day. And I knew that the Browns was going to come because they were the most exciting game during the one o'clock time frame. So I knew that the highlights were going to be great. So I turned to him and I was like, I would love nothing more (laughs) than to have this moment with you while the Browns highlights are playing in the background to have this moment with you yeah, one, and he turned and looked at me and he starts laughing and he goes i'll make it as efficient as the browns are <laughs> uh, i
2: hope that i hope he didn't mean that he was going to go three and out in 20 seconds Ooh, uh.
0: <laughs> gosh <laughs>
1: um I'm gonna I'm gonna stop the story right there (laughs) sorry Jeff (laughs) sorry mom and dad um yeah so again like don't make any type of bets or wagers while you're in the moment watching the Browns game I'm just gonna give everyone that word of advice um so I was super pumped like the rest of the night watching the highlights so I wanted to ask you guys can you pinpoint like what was your favorite moment from the game because there were just so many moments throughout the game. Um can you pick just one and then what about just there's always there always seems to be like an oh my god moment and it could be either good or bad. So I want you guys to kind of pinpoint your favorite and then also the OMG moment.
0: Okay, so there was I feel like there was a fair amount of OMG moments yesterday.
1: Like, you know, so
0: many. The the touchdown from Jarvis to Odell was At the amazing. Beginning- And then you had OBJ run for, like, 50 yards. Like, that was amazing. But I think the thing that that I actually, like, said out loud yesterday was how amazing it was that Nick Chubb, you know, unfortunately we lost Nick Chubb yesterday, and that sucks. He's going to be out for a couple weeks. Um, But when he went out, like, normally that that would crush a team right there. Like, if your best player goes down, you're
1: in trouble. Yep.
0: And it didn't. Yes. And I was like, this is something really special. And that's, I think, for, that's the moment for me where I was just like, this is different. We just lost our best player and we're fine. Like, it, we didn't miss a beat. What a moment. I know. So that was probably my favorite moment. Not that he went down because terrible. Yeah. We obviously love Nick Chubb and we want him back as soon as possible, but... The fact that he could go down and they recovered so quickly, like nothing happened is just astonishing.
2: Yeah, it was, I I didn't tweet this and I kind of wish I had, but like it felt like I wanted to call it like the King Midas offense because it felt like anytime someone touched the ball, they turned to gold. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that's, I don't know. Maybe that's lame and not a very funny joke or not that creative maybe, but that's kind of like what it felt like was There wasn't, I mean, OBJ got a lot of yards, but if you look at the Dallas offense, Dak Prescott had over 500 passing yards, and I think Amari Cooper had had like 300-something receiving yards, and you didn't see those massive numbers on the Browns' side because the ball was just perfectly spread out. Yeah. Like, it was like everyone on the offense got a touch, and anytime someone got a touch, they did something with it. So um, I think that that was just... That's an exciting thing to see. And I think I saw a pro football focus tweet that the Browns currently have the most efficient offense in the NFL right now. Whoa. It just it feels so like, isn't that crazy? That yeah. just feels so weird to say, especially after like the the Hugh Jackson years and then the Freddie Kitchens gas leak <laughs> year. It's just like, it's just like an incredible thing to like see everyone tweeting about the Browns but in a good way. And when I say everyone, I mean the sites like the athletic and pro football focus. Um, and like the nerd sites, the stat sites, they're like here, like let's show you how efficient Wyatt Teller is. Like, let's talk about how efficient the Browns offense is. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, so, so refreshing to see. It's beautiful. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I would agree Like there were just, it was just a fun game to watch like that to me. Like, and I, obviously we were winning most, like we were winning the whole game. Um, so obviously that made it a lot more fun to watch, but, um, I will have to say, I was actually pleasantly surprised. Obviously the defense gave up a lot in the second half and and we obviously need to figure out that side of things, but Mm -hmm. really the first half, like they stopped Dak and Dallas, the first play of the game, Mm -hmm. they, like, they did not let them march down the field and then they really imposed their will going into the second quarter with the strip sack um, and some key defensive stops. So to me, that was encouraging because that's been one thing where we've all been very concerned about. And rightfully so. We saw that we still have concerns going into the second half, but we got turnovers and then we executed and we were able Mm -hmm. to score points off of turnovers. And that's something that in years past, the Browns haven't been able to do. Mm -hmm. So again, like we are consistently doing these things, which is nice to see. Feels
0: nice,
2: yeah, in the think? past, like two or three seasons, how many times did the Browns defense force a turnover and then the offense goes three and out? Oh my god! Exactly. <laughs> like, every like, <laughs> and, like, <Here's laughs>
1: offensive identity go three and out. <laughs> yeah. So every single time. So it was. Yeah, it was
2: really, it was really exciting for them because this happened last week too. They were mm-hmm. capitalizing on every single turnover. It was fantastic. Yeah. And then Denzel Ward with like the play of the game in the ninth hour. You know, that was the moment where it was just because I I was a little nervous when Dallas was kind of marching down with what was it, two and a half Mm -hmm. uh, minutes left. And they were, you know, and they were still it was still a two possession game at that point. But I mean, (laughs) like I said, against the Falcons, they were able to overcome a two possession deficit in like the last 30 seconds of the game. So, you know, you're sitting there, you're holding your breath, you're holding your breath. And then suddenly denzel ward out of nowhere oh gosh isn't it it
1: really refreshing to see a top pick make impact plays so you have miles garrett just balling out Mm -hmm. time and time again like proving it and then you have denzel ward making a key crucial play of the game i mean he ended the game like that like that to me like shows you like yeah we have some impact players on the defense and that they can be game changers even if i don't know the balance guys are not impactful uh, but you also have to you also have to remember about the defense. We had injuries on the line, so like they were mm-hmm. exhausted. Um, you would hope that that's not something that we have to deal with as we get into the next couple of weeks. But um, I don't know. It, it was it was wild. And then yeah. the OMG moment. Like, what about the blocked extra point that ended up being a two point conversion? Yeah, see, there were so many. I, know. That I just forgot about that one. Like that's what i was saying. <laughs> I there were so <laughs> many
0: moments yesterday, and I just want to say like that first half. I've been a Browns fan since like 2007. Okay. That first half was the, the very best I've seen the Cleveland Browns look ever. Like I'm not exaggerating. That's I was watching this. And remember how we always talk about how Baltimore makes it look so easy and all these things. They made it look so easy yesterday. And I was, I was blown away. And then, you know, again, the reason why I wasn't panicking was because like, You know, Dak, as we know, he averaged 400 yards a game. Yeah. You knew that he was going against a defense that just is not very good yet. So to me, I was like, okay, it's just a matter of time before this catches up with them. And he's going to put up numbers. He's going to put up yards and I think he ended with what, like, four hundred seventy-five or something.
1: I think he had. Did he have five hundred? He might like have. He for over five hundred. Like that, that's, that's insane.
0: insane to have that much and still lose. Like, God, their defense. Oof. Um.
1: Yeah. Well, at one. And point, how many of those and, came from the second half? A
0: lot. A lot. Someone look that up. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well,
2: I, and I think of the of the one o'clock games. I don't know how the four o'clock games factored in, but of the one o'clock games. Dak Prescott led the league in passing yards and Amari Cooper led the league in receiving yards. Wow. And they lost. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Man. Tough. Okay. So can I ask you guys a question? Yes. Does this win? I I think Meredith's internet is going in and out. Um, Does this win legitimize the Browns as a contender this season. Like, do you feel like this was the defining game at this stage in the season to make them make a name for themselves? I'll go with you, Brittany. Well, we'll hopefully Meredith comes back.
0: I feel like, as I said, that that first half was the best that I've seen them look since I've been a fan. Um, I think what they did yesterday was make a statement that, you know, we're not a joke anymore. We have found our identity, like we're ready to go. You're not going to circle us on the calendar as like an easy win anymore. That's not going to happen because, you know, people are like, well, it's just Dallas. But like we were just talking about, they have a quarterback to put up 500 yards. Like this isn't a joke team. This isn't, you know, the Bengals or the Redskins, excuse me, football team. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's such a hard habit to break, but yeah, like, you know, this was their first real test And they really, really showed up in a way that even, you know, I'm a super pessimist. People get on me all the time for being so optimistic and looking, you know, spinning positivity. I picked them to lose just like, (laughs) you know, logically I was like, okay, like, you know, our defense, isn't that great. Dallas's offense can put up a lot of numbers like, eh. but like they, they shocked the hell out of me. So, you know, yeah, I think they're putting themselves on notice now and, God, I'm so excited. I can't believe I'm saying that. It's wonderful.
2: Yeah, I agree. It was it was a statement game. It was it was the Browns saying that they need to be taken seriously. Yep. As as they should. And I just I, I love this success. And when we talk about, and I want to talk about Cody Parkey too, because I talked about him last week. I still want to say He's batting a thousand, even though he technically got a blocked kick, but it still turned into two points anyway. So I am just, I'm, I'm very happy for Cody Parkey. And again, for these games that are close, cause I thought this game was going to be close. I thought I was going to be Dallas by a field goal. Mm-hmm. So in these games that are going to be close and when it does come down to like a 40 yarder or a 42 yarder, I have 1000% confidence in Cody Parky. Like I am not nervous if they have to pull out the field goal unit.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, although the score ended up being a lot closer, it, it wasn't. It wasn't a close game. Like, the Browns Mm-mm. controlled the entire game for the most part outside of just that that last quarter. Um, so I would say if you didn't watch this game, you would think that it was a shootout. Mm-hmm. But o- obviously those of us that did watch the game would realize that the Browns really had control of this game. And it was really nice to see, even though... Dallas made a really great play of coming back and getting themselves back in the game. The Browns didn't find ways to lose. Yes. And to me, like that shows just a vast improvement over the years past where we've been in those situations before. And, we didn't do anything to hurt ourselves. And I think obviously you can chalk that up into coaching and we're going to get into that. That's going to actually be our next segment. So I don't want to, I don't want to get into this now uh, because I I want to wrap up with injuries, but to me, it was really refreshing to see them bend, but not break. Mm-hmm. I think this, this is a huge confidence boost going into the next few weeks. So just to wrap up yesterday, um, some injuries, um, Larry Ogunjobi and um, Sheldon Richardson also went out in the game yesterday Um, It sounds like Larry O is um, day by day. He's dealing with an abdominal injury. And then Sheldon Richardson, um, Steph said he is okay. Um, Obviously the big news is Nicholas Chubb. Nicholas, my formal name. Nicholas. Nicholas Chubb um, has an MCL injury. Um, Obviously you hate to see that he's going on IR, but expected to return this season. So I think that is the positive news. We, We can't expect to see him coming back. Um, I think we'll get into this in a little bit, but do you guys think that this will be a bigger impact than what you would have anticipated from this team? Or the way I think about it is, it's almost like an embarrassment of riches at the running back spot. Like the fact that we have Kareem Hunt to be able to come in after our first down back goes out, Mm -hmm. not many teams have that.
0: No. And then even to go beyond Kareem Hunt, you know, they were telling that story about, who was it that was like on a fishing boat? That's
1: or a little baby D.
0: Like, what the heck? And like, he comes out and he looks great. And like, you know, obviously, no, I think we're going to get into the offensive line, which, <laughs> I mean, they create holes like I've never seen before. you orgasmic offensive yeah, line creative, They really are. They Let's call them what they are. <laughs> um, but no, like, again, I can't reiterate enough how refreshing and wonderful this is. Like... You have your best running back go down, and okay, like let's just put in someone else and it works. And my God, I can't believe this is the Cleveland Browns. I
2: mean, in, in a pinch, OBJ could be a running there back. There you go.
0: No nope, kidding. <laughs> there you go. Right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I will okay. So I will take back my earlier statement about not being panicked. I actually did panic a little bit when Nick Chubb went down, just because um he is, you know, the team's best back. And you don't want that to happen, especially this early. And although maybe it is better that it happened earlier in the season so he can recover and come back in November, December. But that was a point where just my heart broke because I love him so much. And I was a little bit panicked. And then I think the next play Kareem Hunt ran for, I
1: don't know, he got like a 13, 14 yard run or something. So I was like, we'll be okay. I'm just going to pray for Nick Chubb. Meredith, are you insinuating we're going to be playing meaningful December and January football? Don't think that that that, you just like tried to throw that in there. I heard it on the record. Maybe. All right, guys. So we're going to get into our next segment. Um, We are ready to do some victory laps. (laughs) Buckle up. (laughs) We are going to take off. Uh, We're going to start with this. Kevin Stefanski is legit. This is what we have spent the last 20 years vying for. And we're going to talk about it. Uh, Brittany, I'm going to start with you because yeah. you have a very important point to make here. I have, just, I have
0: so many important points. I to mean, make. I don't even know. where. To start.
1: How many sub bullets do I have on this? Let me just count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We have nine sub bullets. And then we have some sub sub bullets in there. So guys, we have a lot to talk about with Kevin. Brittany, I don't, I don't kick know it where off. to start. Where
0: should I start? Should I start with the, with the screenshots?
1: You gotta go with the screenshots.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, if I'm gonna take yeah. victory laps, I better do it correctly. Okay. So I was like having a trip down memory lane today. And yesterday I was trying to decide if I was even gonna do this because I was like, okay, we're only four games in. Do I wanna jinx it? Blah, blah, blah. But you know what, guys? I think we've earned this. We've more than, I, I know we've more than earned this. We've earned all these laps. So, you know, obviously, if you go back to January when they were doing the, you know, Freddie got fired, Dorsey was out, they were doing the coach search. And I can't, I can't believe it was that long ago, but also it doesn't feel that long ago. This year has been so weird. <laughs> oh my God. So, you know, from the very beginning, like my my top two choices were Stefanski and Greg Roman. I But I knew that Greg Roman was a long shot and, you know, he fits so well in Baltimore that, Having him come here, you know, I wasn't going to happen. I was like, okay, Stefanski, that's my dude. I had to deactivate my Twitter for like a week because people were harassing me so bad about me voicing my opinion, my very educated opinion, because I did bring up a lot of reasons why I wanted him. You know, he has similar offense in Minnesota, blah, blah, blah. I was told that it wasn't his offense, all this stuff. So I went through some of these today so I could bring them up and I'm going to do some victory laps on these people. They earned it because they, they harassed me for months about this. All right. So this is a good one. I'm not going to say their names because I'm not mean, but let's just it, guy number one. If you really think he made this hire because Dee Podesta recommended him, you're missing the point. Stefanski will comply with Jimmy's need for control without putting up a fight. This has nothing to do with whether Stefanski is or is not deserving of the job. It's the process. Um, hey, love your podcast. You're such a beautiful woman. I wish I would be pretty like you. But I can't understand the head coach for the Browns thing from you. You obviously want Stefanski as a head coach because he's good looking. I'm a women too, but I want a successful head coach over a good looking guy for our Browns. Can't understand this. Yikes.
2: Now, was that actually a woman or was oh, yeah. that just like an egg? Honestly, I don't know. Because like, I've noticed that a lot on social media lately where people are like, well, if you talk about like a marginalized group, they'll be like, well, I'm a part of that group and I'm okay with it.
0: And I'm like, yeah, you know, you're probably a white boy named Chad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know who this person was. Um, okay, this is a good one. Uh, I said something. I said for the record, I'm not here to take victory laps. This was the day after he got hired when I activated my Twitter. So everyone has the reasons for wanting a specific coach. I'm sorry if you're disappointed. I'm gonna try and make you feel better about this, blah blah blah. Response. But you're always wrong about your sports take. So the fact that you like this hire means it's going to fail. Um, another one. There's nothing that can make me feel better about this hire. The guy doesn't have the experience. He got out coached in the biggest game of his life. Number three, your sports takes and political takes are equally bad. Another one, pretty sure McDaniels wanted sweeping change and didn't want to be another yes man for an organization that shit the bed for 20 years. This team could win seven games this season. the blow two winnable games in embarrassingly, fas- embarrassingly Cleveland Browns fashion and finish 5-11. Um, after the first week of, of 2020, I see no difference between Stefanski and Freddie. Another person, Freddie, 30-point loss on opening day. Stefanski, 32-point loss on opening day. I realize you're spinning the positivity yarn here, but this is a strange hill to die on. Trading... This is a good one, guys. Are you ready for this? <laughs> yeah. Trading Dorsey, Highsmith, and Wolf for De Podesta and Barry is a severe downgrade in any world.
2: <laughs> I will
0: say the, the only
2: one of that trio that I was sad to see go was Alonzo Highsmith. I'm sure. a huge fan of his. Yes. But you know, John Dorsey wasn't. Here's the thing. And I know you put this on the, on the rundown, Bree. He did a lot of good things in Cleveland, but I feel like for every like one good thing, there were like.
1: Yeah. So I'm not sure if you guys heard the presser Baker's presser after the game yesterday, and then Denzel Ward's presser today, both of them alluded. No, they didn't elude it. They said, This isn't anything like last year. Mm -hmm. Okay, that is a very critical comment from two of your very high draft picks and two of your star players. Mm -hmm. And I tweeted about this last night. But the team that we saw play yesterday is exactly who I thought we would get last year. A disciplined team, smart decisions, and an offensive powerhouse. Mm -hmm. Freddie Kitchens talked the talk. That is what he talked about being. Mm-hmm. Kevin Stefanski walked the walk. He created his offensive identity. Andrew Barry drafted and signed players that fit that ident- identity. And the players have went out and executed it to a T. It is actually really quite beautiful to witness because Andrew Berry came in and said, listen, I think Baker Mayfield could be fine. We have great offensive weapons, but what we don't have is an offensive line. Let's go upgrade that. Ding upgrade. How about that? Has that worked out? <laughs> hey, we have some really good tight end talent, but let's get some tight ends that block in this scheme so that we can be a run heavy offense. Harrison Bryant, boom. Austin Hooper, boom. Has that worked out? Let's go get a fullback. Again, let's be a running team. Great. How about we sign Kareem Hunt to a deal? Listen, and I understand I will give John Dorsey credit for getting talent on this team. Because without John Dorsey, we wouldn't have some of this talent on the team. So I I will give him credit where credit is due. But I will also say that if John Dorsey did not hire Freddie Kitchens and Freddie Kitchens fail, we would probably still have John Dorsey and we wouldn't have Kevin Stefanski, and clearly Mm -hmm. not Andrew Barry. So Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer of everything happens for a reason. I'm not going to go back and say, man, I wish last year we could have had Kevin Stefanski. It would have been beautiful. But we also would have had John Dorsey as the GM with... Mm -hmm. Kevin Stefanski. I don't know if they would have seen eye to eye. So the reality Absolutely is, not. right now in this moment, we are seeing that alignment and we are seeing a group working together with the same goal and the same mindset. And that is something that the Browns have not had. And we talked about this. You can go back and listen to our old episodes. We talked about how important it was that we had a GM and a head coach that were on the same page. And we knew that analytics. Were important to the Haslam's. They were going to keep DePodesta. Josh McDaniels would have been a Freddie Kitchens in a mask. That's that. that, I'm sorry. That's it. it. It it would not have worked.
2: Also, one of the things that I love about Stefanski is just how level headed he is. Like you can take his press conference from the his introductory press conference. You could take his. Um, training camp, press conferences. You could take the press conference from after the loss to Baltimore and then after the win yesterday and just, like, mix them all up. And you wouldn't be able to tell which is which, you know, outside of the answers because he's just so steady and level-headed and even even keel. So, like, even though he was probably disappointed after the Baltimore loss, like, he didn't lose his cool on the podium, like some past coaches have done, you know, and he's – you know, after uh, an incredible win over the Cowboys this weekend, he's coming up there and saying, and he's giving other people credit too. Like he was giving Bill Callahan credit. And he's just like, there's no ego there. And I really think that that is the biggest key to why Kevin Stefanski is so successful early on. No ego
0: at all. He just wants to go in and win football games and that's it. And that's what he's doing. Yeah. And it's like, he's, you know, we talk about identity, like on the field but like he's creating like this like cultural identity within the team where there's like this trust between them there's this there seems to be this respect that wasn't there before and i can't stress enough how important that is and not just you know football but like in life if you're going to have a team of any kind you have to have that trust and respect yep. if, if anything's going to work and you know we've talked about it so many times this whole process, the whole coaching search process about how important it is for them to all be aligned and be on the same page and working towards the same goal and not having that power struggle. And we're finally starting to see the results of that. We're finally starting to see what happens when everyone is on the same page and that power struggle from the top down doesn't exist anymore. This, yeah. this is what we were so hungry for for so long.
1: And, you know, yeah. this is the real deal. It's really important that you talked about the trust. And one of our favorite plays of the game was obviously the Jarvis to OBJ touchdown pass. (laughs) And I'm not sure if you guys caught it. I shared it with Brittany and Meredith before the show, but um, on Monday morning or football in America, um, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, What's his name? Okay. I'm blanking. Somebody tell me Pete something. Um, Peter King. There we go. He, had a chance to talk to Kevin Stefanski after the win. And they were talking about that play specifically. And Kevin Stefanski, they had been practicing that play for weeks now, um, running a bunch of different reps. And he happened to call the play bananas. And everyone on the team knew that that was the play. And that it was just a word. And they they knew exactly what to do. And I guess OBJ, he has wanted to run that play. And he said to coach, Kev- coach Kevin that, if we're not gonna run this play, we should just take it off the play sheet. Like, let's just remove it. And Kevin said to him, you know what? I think this is a play that we should be running against the Cowboys. This is a great defense to try it against. Let's run it. Mm-hmm. Clearly, they ran it, they executed it. OBJ got the touchdown. Like, how much trust does that like how much trust does that build between player and coach? Where the fact is, like OBJ felt comfortable enough to talk to him about it. Kevin felt comfortable enough to trust his team to execute it. I mean, like that to me is huge going forward in the rest of the season because you have that confidence within each other as a team and as a coach-player relationship. Are we losing Brittany? I think her Wi-Fi, something's happening with the Wi-Fi around here.
2: Oh no, Gremlins and the Wi-Fi. <laughs> it's all the McDaniels bros oh, just coming in and trying to me. like, yeah, they're trying to jam the Wi-Fi signal. But yeah, yeah, OBJ uh, after the game on Sunday had talked about that play because he was asked how much they had practiced it, and he said they ran it every single day. And he said that in addition to practicing it every single day, that he and Jarvis connected every single time. And I think that's and that was one of the reasons why he went up to to Stefanski and said we have to run this play today because I think he was sick of practicing it. And then also we talked about this over text. I think they tried that play last year. Yeah. At at some point. And it just like it it felt, got blown if up. I remember yeah, if I remember, I feel like it was one of those ones where Jarvis threw it and then OBJ had hands on it, but he didn't catch it. And it was one of those things where it would have been a complete momentum shift, complete game changer. It was a game the Browns lost lost that they probably would have won had they connected. And it was just like just the stark difference in seeing how the play was executed last year
1: to this year. It was just it was night and day.
2: Absolutely night and day.
1: Yeah. And I think last year, too, I remember. Well, there's a lot of things that I remember that are bad, but I remember it felt like the other team already knew what play we were drawing up before we even put the play in like they, we didn't have a chance to even get set. And then also, if you recall last year, we were constantly running the play clock down. Like Mm -hmm. it would be at five seconds and we still weren't set. And then we had a ton of penalties last year and just no discipline. And again, you haven't, you haven't seen that this year. Everybody seems to be on the same page and connected. And the one thing that we've talked about too, is really that offensive identity because you saw it when Chubb went down next man up you could plug in the next guy and everything still ran just as smoothly like that. That says a lot to me about what the coaching staff has put together. And I think obviously we can't ignore the fact that one of the other great decisions this staff has made is sustaining Stump Mitchell running back coach Yes. and getting Bill Callahan for this offensive line. So not only did Mm -hmm. you upgrade the offensive line in terms of players, but you bought. He brought in one of the best coaches in the NFL, and clearly that is paying dividends.
2: Also, and this is completely derailing. Stump Mitchell has the best beard I've ever seen.
1: I know, and I mean, <laughs> it. It looks like honestly, it's attached to his mask. You know, like it's like, can you buy yeah. that mask with that beard?
2: Because <laughs> I would well, get yeah, one. <laughs> I know, because like I see like in the Zoom and and like when we do Zoom calls with him, like his mask, like it. I think there are points when it just like goes below his nose because it just can't, his it can't, his beard can't contain it. <laughs> so I just, I don't know. I just, I, it's a random like side note about Stump Mitchell, but yeah, I think, I mean, and, and everything is an upgrade. And I think the, like the weak spot with the, with the Browns right now is obviously the defense, but when you hear the way the the players talk about their position coaches, like the way the running backs talk about Stump and the way you know, the, the offensive line talks about Bill Callahan, the defense talks about Joe Woods in the same way. So I do, I do have confidence that Joe Woods is the right choice as defensive coordinator. Um, I just, I think it's really just an injury thing and just being really, really thin at the linebacker position is really what's plaguing the Browns. And you can kind of see, I feel like the the Cowboys managed to contain miles in the second half of the game and that's one of the reasons why the Cowboys were able to march down the field twice as quickly as they did so you know you had Miles in the first half of the game with his two strip sacks which by the way we might just need to start calling him Mr. Strip Sack I know he's incredible Um, yeah so Mr. Strip Sack gets two in the first half and then in the second half uh he turns into more of um you know more of like I don't want to say impact but just the the position on defense because it feels like they were able to, to contain him. So miles is definitely, you know, the crux of the defense. So I just, I don't know how or what we can do at this point, other than just practice, 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 because, you know, there's, there's not a lot of free agents out there that they can just pick up at this point. Even if they do, there's a lot of COVID protocols that they have to go through to even get to Berea in the first place. So, um, yeah, like I said, I, I think Joe Woods really is the the right guy for for defense. I don't have any doubts in him. I just think that with the defense right now, the reason it's hurting so much is because they're literally hurting.
1: Yeah, and I would say it's it's been a pretty high-scoring league just in general in the NFL. Like, we're not the only team that is struggling when it comes to defense. I mean, geez, look at... The Cowboys, I mean, they were so bad. Yes. Um. So it's it's not just us. And I think, you know, we didn't have an offseason. We didn't have preseason games. And I do think some of that chemistry is built by being on the field together. And half of these guys in the secondary didn't play together. Um. And I know people are in the comments saying, Sendejo sucks. Like, I get it. <laughs> he was not great. He has not been great. But he did force a fumble. Okay, so yeah. like he did make an impact. That is yes, one thing. I mean, he—he's I mean, aggressive, like game... I, I almost to a fault. Like he is. Um, I mean, Kevin named him game captain. Yeah, before the game. I, I'm, okay, so listen,
2: how do we feel? Okay, so how do we feel? We'll have to ask Brittany this when she comes back. How do we feel about a different person every week being game captain?
1: Yeah, we should ask her about that. I also want to talk about. Well, OK, let me answer you. Let me answer that question. He seems to be very just team oriented in general, um, even when it comes to the game balls, because he would not answer who got the game ball either. Like he does not want any of that getting out. And, and that's a very interesting concept for me, um, because, you know, I, I think we clearly know who the honorary captains are on the team. Mm -hmm. Like just given the players that we have. Um, But I don't, I don't hate it. I really don't.
2: So not this past week, but the week before last, I forget who the game captain was um, against Washington, but he accidentally let it slip in a press conference on like Wednesday or Thursday before the game. Cause he was talking, uh, you know, a reporter asked him a question uh and then he made a comment about the game captain and then daryl's like oh well what you know and daryl followed up with oh well what went into your decision to make so and so the game captain and he was like and you could just like that was like a moment where kevin stefanski was like oh man i fucked up like it's just like i think uh i think he's keeping things a little tight-lipped after that but that's like the only time that i've ever seen him like hmm. let something out like that but i just thought it was really funny because he even said oh i didn't i didn't realize that
1: <laughs> i told you who the game captain was so, Brittany, we were just talking. We're still on Kevin Stefanski, obviously. Um, I wanted to ask you guys a question because we like to be fair on this show. Mm-hmm. If you had to criticize Kevin for anything at this point in the season, it could be yesterday's game. It could be previous games. doesn't have to be specific to any one game. What would it be? Like, what would be your critique thus far? Um,
0: I mean... Yesterday, it is true that maybe he got a little. He took the took his foot off the gas when he should have just imposed their will on them <laughs> because they they could have done it. You know what I mean? Yeah. If they really wanted the way that offense was clicking, they could have just gone in for the kill and ran up the score. And I know a lot of people were disappointed that they seem to ease up on them yesterday. And I understand that they're professional athletes. They're, you know, this is what they do. They're competitors, it's in their nature. And if I had to criticize something that would probably be it. But to me like saying, oh, if that's the worst thing that we're like, we had a segment last Mm -hmm. year. It was like, what did Freddie do wrong? Or (laughs) if we get you know, something like that, that's where we're coming from. So if my biggest complaint right now is that one very small thing in the game that we won that we shouldn't have won, I'm so happy. (laughs) Like, this is my happy space now. So here's my question,
2: because that was what I was thinking about, because there really were not a lot of negatives for Stefanski yesterday. But I'm almost wondering, in, in those moments where everyone was accusing him of letting up, or, or easing up. I wonder, I wonder if he was looking at the score and saying, okay, well, we got two-plus touchdowns on these guys. I want to try some of these offensive plays to see how they work, to see how Baker connects. Because they did mm-hmm. sort I, – I don't want to say they abandoned the run game, but they went more pass-heavy, and that was when the offense started struggling. So mm-hmm. I'm almost wondering if Kevin Stefanski was looking at the score and saying, "Like, okay, well, we have a buffer to try these out. Let's see what happens didn't really work out and then you know they go back to the run game so mm-hmm. i'm i'm wondering if that's what they were doing because here's the thing that's the type of thing that you would do in the preseason is yeah. like let's try yeah. this to see how it works because there's only so much that you can do when you're playing against yourself
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that's what they do in in training camp those 11 on 11 drills is they're playing themselves and it's not really a true game situation until you're facing a different person or a different team. So it it almost felt like Kevin Stefanski was treating it like a preseason game, but because he knew it mattered, he stopped experimenting when he saw that the Cowboys started to run back the score. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I would also say, and I don't know if this, if, if this is has anything to do with one or the other, but it does feel like we have now had instances where we are leading coming out of halftime, right? Mm-hmm. And it feels like the other team is making their adjustments. And I don't know if we are counter punching. So like, you know, it, are we able to say, okay, we have a lead? We feel really good about that. Here's what we expect them to do. So here's what we're going to do. And obviously, we're not comfortable having leads, um, <laughs> you know, in the past. So I'm hoping that that's something that we see improvement on. And it, mm-hmm. and it we aren't conservative in the play call. I also wonder too, if they are a little bit nervous about Baker still in, they want to continue to build up his confidence. They don't want him to make mistakes. They didn't want to have turnovers um, because, you know, if you have a couple of interceptions or an interception and a fumble, like that can change the momentum of the game almost in its entirety. Mm -hmm. So I I kind of understood where they were playing it safe. They didn't want to, they didn't want to shoot themselves in the foot. And and I think in the past we've we've obviously seen ourselves do that, and then everything just comes crumbling down. Yeah. Uh, but again, I I'm very confident in the next few games because I think we've just really scratched the surface of what Kevin Stefanski's offense can look like. Like I truly think, like we are bare bones right now, still. All right, ladies. So, with all of this being said, kind of touched on this a little bit, but. Have your expect have your expectations change for the remainder of the year? Like, are there stakes to be had now? Like, we are three and one in the first quarter of the season. We're going to preview the next the next quarter of the season. But at three and one, at this day, on Monday, October fifth, what are your expectations?
0: Listen, my prediction for the season was thirteen and three, and this is going better than I thought it was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that answer
0: so much like i could not be happier remember at you know before i don't know like a week or two before the season started we had like a preview show or whatever and meredith said you know don't be surprised or you know like don't don't run panic. and come off a cliff yeah start zero and four because you know the off season was weird and you have all this newness of everything and people said no preseason in. games yeah, so yeah everything was and you know in my heart, I was like, yeah, like maybe she's right. And, you know, <laughs> I guess I'm not going to jump off a cliff if they start on four. I'll just like try to be patient, whatever. But like they started three and one, which is just, I, I can't get enough of it. So yeah, like it doesn't change my view at all because again, 13 and three, like we're on the right path. So I'm <laughs> good to go, but I'm surprised that they do look as good as they do right now. It's, it's shocking.
2: I mean, my expectations have changed a little bit. Um, I, I think I had maybe 10 and six for my prediction, which is pretty good, but I know last year and even the year before that, I think one of the hardest, I guess, realities to handle when the Browns would lose was we would look at these games and say, well, they should have at least been competitive. Mm -hmm. Or even last year, the Browns won six times, but there were only two of those wins that we truly felt good about. And it was, yeah, they won, but they looked really bad doing it. My expectation now is to look good in every single game. Even if they don't win every single game, I'm going to expect competent, strong good looking football. So even if the Browns lose the game, we're going to be looking at it and saying, well, this was where they did well. This was where they did well. This is where they did well. Their offense just couldn't break through the defense. That kind of, like that's the type of thing that I expect us to be talking about from here on out. So mm-hmm. I think that's sort of where my expectations have changed for the Browns. I still think they're going to go 10 and six and that's not an indictment on them because it's still, that's over 500. And that's yeah. the, probably I the, actually, the, you know, the best thing. Yeah, job. 10 and yeah, that would be, what, the best record they've had since 2014, I believe. Like, since, what, Pat, Pat Shermer. So, you know, it's, I still think that they're going to go 10-6, and six, but I think that they are going to look different than what we would
1: expect, if that makes sense. Well, so since we're talking about it now, I'm going to go into that really quick. Because the next quarter of the season that we're going into, um, we've got some pretty good tests in terms of, playing much better defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sunday, we are playing the Colts at home. Um, the Colts D ranks number three in the league, uh, which has been a bit of a surprise. They're actually my fantasy defense team. And I, I was shocked by that. Um, so I, I do think, you know, the Browns have struggled against strong defensive teams. And then you turn around and you are away at the Steelers. Again, another pretty good defensive team. And they have a really strong defensive front. And I think that's where you've seen the Browns struggle. You look at Baltimore, Baker got pressured and he clearly panicked. Mm-hmm. So I think the next two games in this leading up to this next quarter will be really telling. And, and it could be two games that we could very well lose. But again, like these could also be team, teams that we could very well beat. Mm-hmm. And you look at the Colts, like it's not like they're an offensive powerhouse. And what have we said? What did we say at the beginning of this season? Our offense needs to put, put points on the board. Like Mm -hmm. if we can score 30 plus points a game, regardless of what defense we're playing against, we have a very good chance of winning. We do. Yes. And last year I went back and looked at this. It was depressing. We had eight games where we scored 20 points or less. We lost every single one of those games. There were only two games where we scored more than 30 points. They were both wins. And then there were three games where we scored 20 plus that were wins. Every other one was a loss. So, again, like if you can hit that 30 point number, mm-hmm. there's a very high probability that we can win.
0: Well, and the thing about the Browns offense is that they are very much capable of hitting 30 points again. Yes. Like, they are built to
1: do that. That's what we thought we would have last year. That's what we should have had last year. Yeah. You know, I
0: wrote in the rundown, I said, what's that? <laughs> I'm just going to say it now because it, it makes sense in conversation. Yes. You know, we talked last year. I saw a lot of people uh, talking about John Dorsey yesterday and thanking him and praising him for getting all of this talent on this team and, you know, great. Like, love it. I don't love that they're praising him, but I love <laughs> I love the parts that he got us, right? Yes, yeah. But then, you know, again, he brought you Freddie Kitchens. So there was a, a payoff there. And I thought to myself, you know, it's great that he got all the ingredients for something. Like imagine making a meal, right? And you get in the kitchen, you I have all of the ingredients.
2: You're just mm-hmm. ready to go.
0: And then you sit a baby next to the stove and say, here, cook something. That's never going to work. All you're going to get is a big mess. <laughs> And that's exactly what they had. So, you know, you could say, oh, he did this. He did this. Yeah, but he also brought you Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens would still be here right now if John Dorsey were still here, period. He would not, he was not Freddy... fire him. That was not going to happen. So so Freddie Kitchens is yes. the baby in this? Oh, he's always game. the
1: baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Freddie Kitchens Where... is forever the baby who's just going to make Wearing a mess up... in the kitchen. He could have, you know, everything ready to go, but you can't put a baby in the kitchen expect them to make a meal. It's never going
1: to happen. Is he wearing a uh, Pittsburgh started it onesie? <laughs> 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 well, to wrap up that quarter of games, we will end with away at the Bengals and then home against the Raiders, which should also be a pretty good match. I mean, like, like the Raiders mm. game is interesting because that's another team that is vying for a wild card spot, and really, you know, at this point, win the division or get the wild card spot. That's that's mm. what I'm shooting
0: for. Yeah, these next two games well, are going to be and, interesting.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, and I think I had the Raiders as a loss initially, but after the Cowboys game, I would not be surprised if the Browns won because the Raiders, to me, are a very similar team as the Cowboys are, where they've got an offense that can run up the score, but their defense is averaging 30 points, you know, giving up 30 points. So, you know, when you have a defense that gives up that many points, this Browns team that we have right now is going to take advantage of that. So you know before the te- before the season started i was looking at the raiders as that game being a loss but after the game on sunday against the cowboys and how they just completely manhandled them I'm like you know what that raiders game could be a win now i would not be surprised if that if they wind up winning that game
1: yeah, I we will hopefully be able to put out a preview episode later this week. against preview previewing the Colts Browns versus Colts. So stay tuned for that. We will get into those details. We want to wrap up obviously the exciting game last week, and then we're gonna we're gonna end with our segment of the recurring annoying things on Brown's Twitter because stay annoying, guys. <laughs> um. So OBJ is incredible. Yeah, but, that's it. it. Like I don't even know if we need to talk about it, but but. Okay. Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to go into the next segment because everyone that wanted to trade OBJ, have you eaten your words yet? Like, have you admitted that you were wrong? Because when Nick Chubb went down, understanding we had Kareem Hunt to backfill, I thought about the amount of weapons that we had on offense and OBJ particularly came to mind for me, meaning that we have a very talented wide receiver that could take over a game and be that impactful. And that is exactly what he did. And it was incredible to witness.
2: Yeah, I think uh, our very dear friend, uh, Cameron Justice tweeted yes, out- uh, great article. That, um, yeah, well, she tweeted out the article and I think before she tweeted the article, she said, uh, a lot of you owe OBJ an apology right Yes, now. so true so true so uh yeah i uh yeah i wonder where those trade obj people are right now
0: they don't care they're never gonna eat their words they just pretend they didn't say it and you know what it's true they probably let them live with him being great every sunday that's fine I'm here. they probably delete the tweets and then act like oh yeah
1: i was on i was about obj this whole time when i tweeted out about how after the first game of the season when everybody was calling to trade obj fire kevin stefanski and what was the third thing i've already forgotten There was a third thing. Everyone was saying that that didn't happen.
2: Probably Baker, too. Yeah.
1: Nobody Nobody said that. I was like, um, I'm sorry. Were we? This was literally three weeks ago. How how did you guys forget? Like, what? I'm not making this up.
0: I came to the conclusion. You need to start screenshotting those tweets. Oh, I I do. I came to the conclusion today because I I saw that a few times. And it was like other people saying it, too. Like, oh, what happened to this crowd and this crowd who said this? And people are saying this. And they're like, that didn't happen. People didn't say this. I what? I I truly believe that women's experiences on Twitter are so vastly different than men's experiences on Twitter, especially specifically sports Twitter, because I told you guys I had people yelling at me all game yesterday to calm down. Calm down. It's just this calm down. You know, it's just doubt like this was all game the entire time. So, don't tell me oh, what w- does or doesn't happen. What I'm telling you from my mentions, what happens. This <laughs> has happened. Brie, it's happened oh. to you. <laughs> I, I, I had to deactivate my Twitter because people were like, Kevin Svansky's terrible. This stuff happened. It may not happen to you because you're not a female on Twitter talking about sports, but it doesn't mean yep. it doesn't happen.
2: I can guarantee that every single bro telling you to calm down. Was screaming their asses off at every single touchdown. Sure. You know that they were cheering and high fiving and doing whatever they do, whether it was and at, at their house or watching with friends or hopefully safely at a bar, like whatever they were doing. You know that they were cheering and screaming and losing their voice for how loud they were well, shouting. So at the same time, all tweeting at, while tweeting at you to calm I down. Hate, you know that's
0: People try to act like an authority on an experience that is not their own. Don't yes. ever do that in any situation. If somebody's telling you there's a problem, if somebody's telling you that something's happening, believe them. Like we we don't have the luxury of making stuff up. We don't. Yes. yes. Because people are so eager. They're so hungry to get us in this gotcha moment. So we don't have the luxury of saying, oh, this happened. You know, we have to have proof for everything. So I just read you screenshots of bullshit that I have to deal with on a daily basis. This happens every day. So don't tell me my experiences. Don't do that.
1: Well, here's also, the bros, you know? the, the, the
0: internet is forever.
1: Yeah, it is. But here's the other thing I will say. We are more than fair. We will admit it if we're wrong. Like the people that are trying to wait for us to get a gotcha moment, like I will fully admit when I'm wrong about something. Like I I have no pride in that. Like I don't care. I put things, I live tweet Browns games on Twitter. Last week, people were attacking me when I said that the defense wasn't going to win the game. I was tweeting live in the moment in the first quarter. I get it. The defense had five turnovers. They won. I'll be, I'll gladly be wrong about that. Like you have to attack me. I'm literally live tweeting. I am responding to what I'm seeing. Like people, people are truly unbelievable. And the calm down crowd. (sighs) I was only the calm down crowd about like, I feel like this game isn't over yet. That was my calm down. That was me in like my calm down moment. Like calm down people, this game isn't over.
2: Well, I also feel like that was like your affirmation to yourself. Like you're getting overexcited yes. and you're like, all right, Brie, calm down, calm down. And you just happened to tweet it out. Oh, like, that's okay. You yes. know, you're you're not, you know, you're not tweeting at people, screaming at them to calm down the way people yes. were in
1: Britney's mentions doing that. Yeah, so. I was clearly making uninformed questionable decisions with my husband, like in the same breath. Like clearly I'm <laughs> erratic on Twitter as well. Listen,
0: OBJ I, yeah. taught us all that it's okay to be emotional on Twitter. Yes. Look what oh my gosh. He was, he was uh, having a moment on Friday nights and, you know, just going sort of Kanye on Twitter, which was yeah. interesting. Back to back. He didn't do it. He didn't say anything like super cryptic or anything like troubling or worrisome. But you know, he was just opening up on Twitter in a way that I don't think he's really done before. So I'm watching this and I'm like, "Ooh, let's see how this plays out." And holy hell, it played out so great for him. So I was yeah, like, I man, mean, if- every time I want to get emotional on Twitter, I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna have mental breakdowns all the time on Twitter now because two days later, I'm gonna have a great day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's I going to excel in life. That's it. Oh man. Yeah. So, you know, it, we've talked about this. It was, it was such a high after the Browns win. And then you still have the people that are still negative. Like we, we are now, yes. we, we are now three wins in a row. And the negativity still exists. Like is this fan base so broken that they will never be happy. And Brittany, I know we talked about this last week that they thrive on being miserable, That's it. but it, it's, it's again, what I saw, and let me know if you guys saw something different or anyone that's that's commenting, but it was the like, it was only one game. And the last time we we the Browns went three and one, they ended up seven and nine. Okay, well, if you're gonna use that logic, then why don't we quote the logic of the last time a team scored 49 points against the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. So why isn't that your logic? Why does it have to be the negative?
2: Yeah, I just I feel like there needs to be a PSA to Browns fans. Like being miserable isn't an identity. Like it's not. Like you you, you just got to get over it cuz it you're right. I feel like Kevin Stefanski could call a pitcher perfect game, the Browns could go 16 and 0 and then win the Super Bowl and then everyone would be like, "Well, it's just one year." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: No, they're truly, imagine living in that headspace. Imagine being so toxic that even when something good happens, you actively search for something negative to focus on it. And like I said yesterday, I tweeted this out. I said, ever since I was little, my dad always told me, if you find someone that has 80% of what you're looking for, be happy. It's When you start fixating on that 20% they're lacking, That everything goes to hell. And I'm saying, why can't we have, you know, the Browns are winning. They're three and one. Things are good. This is the turkey sub that I was talking about. This is something that we haven't had for so long that it tasted so good because I was so hungry. This is the same thing. So why can't you just be happy for a little bit? Celebrate it. Be happy. They're three and one. This is a good time. Will it last? I don't know. Nobody knows. I mean, I know they're going to go 13 and three. But everyone else can be wrong about it. That's fine. You, it's your right to be wrong about things. Um, but no, like I, I feel kind of bad that they live in this headspace where they're just always waiting for the next, you know, disaster. That I, ugh, that that makes me sad for them. I feel bad. But don't worry, guys, because these fans don't actually exist. I was told that like four times today.
1: So. Oh, oh my <laughs> yeah. god. Well, listen. Speaking of negative. Um, Tony Rossi, who is notoriously negative. Um, he did tweet something today that I actually agreed with. Can I read it to you guys? Please
2: go for it. Okay.
1: Feel bad for Nick Chubb, but I believe his impact is so great on this team that his passion alone inspired Dearness Johnson and Dontrell Hilliard to run so hard versus Dallas. His example will be lasting even well down. I actually thought that was very insightful and very true. That gave me like the said, warm and, fuzzies. Yeah, yeah I, I was not I was not expecting that, and then I know Tony gets a lot of slack because first of all, I think his voice also sounds just negative, <laughs> like just his tone of voice <laughs> <laughs> and the way that he delivers his questions in press conferences. Um, but yeah, I I actually read that and I was like, I'm gonna like this tweet. No one get mad at me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think for I think for a lot of Browns reporters, this is a breath of fresh air right now because it's not just you know, it, it's not just Browns winning. It's Browns looking good and then like I mentioned before with Kevin Stefanski's press conferences, like he's so even keel and it's not just him. Like every everybody is like that. Mm-hmm. Like I mean OBJ has, you know, dropped a few like FCC violations in his press conferences, but you know, he he's apt to do that, but You know, when you listen to Baker talk, it sounds like a different Baker. When you listen to Nick Chubb talk, he's actually talking more in press conferences this year than he did last year. You know, he's a lot more vocal, which is, you know, not saying much because he's a pretty quiet guy to begin with. But I just think that that presentation is a breath of fresh air for uh, the reporters who cover the Browns regularly. And I think they're just they're happy to be able to cover a winning team and a team that is doing good things both on and off the field.
1: Did you also see speaking of Nick Chubb? I'm just going way off the cusp here with our rundown. Oh, that's fine. But he tweeted a picture of himself. No, oh, um, I'm gonna cry. On on Inst- on Instagram. Instagram. This so Yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah. I saw that one. This one. Yeah. And Captain. he said, Thanks for all the prayers and wishes. I'll be back soon enough to the Bat Cave until then. <sighs> he is our Batman he is I love how he's just embraced that identity I, I,
0: know, I, know.
1: <laughs> I almost cried I was like I'm gonna cry right now there were so many moments where I wanted to cry yesterday I almost cried
0: when when Jarvis threw a touchdown like I actually I had tears in my eyes oh that's not really hard like I cry all the time <laughs> but like as soon as it happened I was like they just flooded and I'm like oh my god this is happiness
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> I did are actually <laughs> I scared my children like At the end of the game, I was screaming and jumping and both like both of my kids. yelled. they were like, Mommy, you're scaring us. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Oh no.
2: Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, it was funny. I went back and I watched a lot more highlights uh, today than I, you know, I'm not able to pay as close attention during the highlights because I'm running the radio broadcast. But uh, I went back to watch today. And one of the things that I missed because I wasn't looking for it was Baker celebrating on the touchdowns because I said this last week, like he he goes harder when his teammates celebrate, than like, or when his teammates score, than like anybody else. But like, I was watching, I, I rewatched that uh, OBJ fifty yard run that could have been disaster when he went like yeah. backwards for fifteen yards. But you know, Jarvis Landry drew through, def- or he drew two defenders away from OBJ. Yeah, just like the the blocks, the holes, and then I think the next gen stats said that he got almost twenty miles an hour. Yeah, yeah, sprinting. Yep. Yeah. That is inhuman, you know? And so I just, I need to go back and watch the highlights so I can like look specifically for Baker celebrating. Cause I love that. That's like the one thing that hasn't changed about Baker from last year that I'm glad yeah. that hasn't. Cause I love that about him. I mean, him. the Browns also, are having fun. It was
0: nice to see Donovan Peoples-Jones yesterday too. <gasps> yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah, killer we, block on that play, I think.
0: I think we're, I was watching that today and I saw how much love that specific tweet got with the video in it. You know, it showed Donovan Peoples-Jones blocking. And I was like, I wonder if other fan bases are go this crazy over watching <laughs> a, a wide People receiver block <laughs> someone. We're just like, ah, Super Bowl, he's blocking. We have it all. But yeah, yeah I like feel, the I response feel to of... that, that one little thing that he did. And I'm sure like to him, it's not really a big, he's like, okay, like, you know. It's my job. Yeah, I'll just go out and do it. And we're just like, Bleh. yeah, we're lighting fires because he <laughs> blocked somebody. So it's the turkey sandwich because we
2: haven't seen that that type of play in so long that they're you know
1: obj was hungry we're hungry and so they're giving us a turkey sandwich you bring I up love it. you know what that turkey sandwich analogy is great though because the players on this team seem to know what their role is and what is expected of them and yes. they go out and they execute it yes
0: and they have a coach that doesn't want any credit for it yes he's just out there doing it every week and he's you know also, one thing that I I don't know if you guys talked about this because I sort of missed most of the Stefanski thing. <laughs> it, side note, isn't it like terrible that I don't have great Wi Fi? My dad works on computers for a living. <laughs> yes, Jerry. Sure. This is a tragedy. Here Everyone needs old. to cyber bully him. <laughs> <to> be <getting laughs> internet because this is unacceptable.
2: Oh, um, well, here's the thing. Uh, side tangent. I feel like if anyone tried to cyber bully Jerry, he would destroy them. Like, like, yeah, no, no one would no one would survive. Okay, I would not that, even guy. try to
1: cyberbully okay. him. <laughs> Jerry World. World. But no.
0: One thing yesterday, you know, we talked a little bit about Callahan and like what it Stefanski surrounded himself with the right people. Yeah. He made such smart hires for this team. He retained Stump Mitchell, who I went crazy for yesterday when they showed him on the sidelines and he had his beer and the cornrows we and stuff. I was like, oh, Stump, I'm in love. Yeah, we. I fall yeah, in love. We talked about average that. like every 12 minutes during the bronze game with somebody. <laughs> different. I was yeah, so we, in love with Stump yesterday.
2: Yeah, we we definitely talked about the beard. He's got the best beard, like he better than James
0: Harden. I want to be his best
1: friend. He looks yeah, like he yeah. is
0: just the best person to be around.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, man, this is a fun show. We need more of these shows.
0: We do. Uh,
1: Brittany, do you want to wrap us up with a couple of off-topic, off-sports-topic-anyway things?
0: Yes. Um, I wrote some stuff in here because, number one, this is very important. Um, This week is Mental Health Awareness Week. Um, I'm going to tweet out some, some helpful tools and resources within the next couple of days because, you know, I know you guys... Feel the same way mental health is super important and i want to encourage everyone because this year has been so incredibly difficult for so many people if you ever feel like you need to talk if you feel like you need help in any way there are so many ways to do that they have a lot of telehealth now because yep. of, you know the pandemic and everything so i'm going to look into that and and share some stuff for you guys um also tomorrow is early voting in ohio and yeah, I want you guys to follow if I'm sure you guys do. But if you don't follow Girl Gang Clee on Twitter, Um, we're going to be doing a contest this month to encourage people to early vote. We're still getting prizes together for it. Um, but what we want you to do is tweet at us. Let us know that you voted show, you know, like a picture or a sticker or something just to show us that you voted. You voted early um and you're gonna be entered to win a prize for us so let's see those stickers show us your stickers maybe that'll be the hashtag for it i love that yeah i love it yes good one i know so exciting i am go vote
2: yeah oh i ohio has fun stickers too
0: yeah a little heart and you know i heart voting good stuff
2: yeah. I think the one that I got when I voted in 2018 was the one that was like the shape of Ohio. Mm-hmm. Like I love that. Yes. Um, cause when I lived in, cause I lived in Nashville in 2016. So for that general election, um, I was a Davidson County resident. And when I voted in that election, it was just like the normal, I voted sticker. And it wasn't even fun. Cause like the ones that we would get in DC were in Spanish. So they would say yo vote, which I loved like in Tennessee, it was just like the plain I voted sticker. <laughs> I want the cute stickers, damn it.
0: I'm bringing Jerry Mollison here. Jerry. Ooh, Jerry. Yeah. It's his fault. That the I was and the missing man, and the legend. What? I was missing from the show for like 10 minutes. <laughs> I told everyone they need to cyberbully you because you're you work on computers for a living and yet our Wi-Fi is terrible. So I said everyone cyberbully Jerry Mollis tomorrow. I hate Bill, I hate it. I'm telling you. <laughs>
2: I have no control for I shut down Rick and Morty. so that you Yeah, could do Rick that.
0: and Morty was playing fine in the basement. Oh, which, by the way, screaming. I heard you, I didn't use the mic like eight times because you were laughing. Well and coughing. That's what I'm saying
1: a lot. Oh my god. Yeah. A, namaste, namaste. Hi <laughs> Jerry. Oh my yeah. god, I love him. Jerry needs a segment. I know, right? Yes. Next we're show. gonna we're gonna
2: get Jerry. Yeah, we need to get Jerry on for a regular segment. Yeah, we
0: some Colorado chocolate and hop on here. It'll be a great time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, man, that was a perfect way to wrap up the show. Ooh. Well we will yes. wrap up episode 44. Like I said, you can look out for a special preview episode later this week as we get ready for the Colts game on Sunday. Uh, Thank you guys for all listening, tuning in, joining us live on Hot Mics. We will continue to go live. Um, Hopefully we have more of these episodes to record where we have wins. Um, Don't forget to rate and review us um, on your listening platform. You can find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify or Stitcher. We will talk to you guys later this week.